Well, I do want to continue with just a brief uh, word of welcome to you all here. It's just, it really is a joy to uh, begin this Thanksgiving week with uh, the church family. And so, and if you're new here for the very first time at Windsor, I, I, I uh, want to especially extend a warm welcome to you. We have a place called the Fireside Room, and it's through these glass doors and to your right, and that's where I'm going to be situating myself. Uh, my wife, Sarah, and I would love to have just a few moments of your time to pray with you and just to hear a little bit about your story and to be with you for just a few moments, uh, uh, and our guest services team will be uh, there as well. We want you to feel at home here at Windsor. Um, uh, if you're here for very long, you will uh, discover that uh, the heart of our church is not just about learning and hearing God's Word, but doing God's Word. And so uh, so as you came in to uh, the uh, campus here, to the, our facility, you saw some boxes, and those boxes are uh, in those boxes are little boxes that are going to be going to children um, uh, overseas through our Operation Christmas Child project, and um, and you all helped pack those. Uh, it's just a part of doing the word. Um, uh, we have a strong partnership with a uh, um, uh, wonderful ministry in our community called Salt and Light, and um, you know they have a grocery store. I hope that you can do your Thanksgiving grocery shopping there. Listen to me. The grocery store at Salt and Light is not for poor people, okay? It's for the community, and 100% of the proceeds go to fight poverty with dignity. So uh, that is one way that uh, we can just uh, connect and uh, to do the word uh, locally and also internationally. Um, we have three short-term missions trips that are being planned this summer. Uh, we have, we, uh, you know, by God's grace and with God's will, I mean, we have, uh, we have the destination, Dominican Republic, Peru, Kenya. We have leaders uh, for all three trips, and now we need, uh, we, need, we need a team. And so if you want to feel connected to the church family, I want to encourage you to go and to be a part of one of these, uh, one of these trips. Um, I know that finances are in the back of people's minds when they think about going on a missions trip. And I want you to believe me when I tell you that we've, uh, money has never been a problem in terms of, if you want to go, if you want to go, uh, uh, we will help, and, and we don't want there to be any financial barrier to get in the way of sending folks to where God calls them. So anyway, those information flyers are going to be out and to the left in a place uh, right at the outreach area here in our church. Uh, again, it's just another way that we can not only hear and learn the word, but to do the word, to do the word. And you may be asking, so why, are you, why do you do this? Why do you do this? Why are you sending boxes? Uh, why are you supporting Salt and Light? Why are you involved in international uh, missions trips? What's, what's your heart motive? And what's really behind that? That's a great question. Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that will, that will help explain why, why 
why we not only want to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word in meeting needs with love, meeting needs with love. You'll find Luke 17, 11 through 19 on page 876 of your church Bibles. If you don't have a copy of God's Word to call your own, I invite you to take a copy in the pouch in front of you. Love it if you could have a copy of God's Word for, your, for yourself. Follow along with me as I read. On the way to Jerusalem, he, that is Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is God's word. Well, they'll be out this week as they've been out almost every week, but particularly this week. And the week after that, and the week after that, you can sometimes see them at the intersection of of Prospect and I-74. They're going to be there at the concrete median or by the light pole. And they're going to be clutching an old ragged cardboard sign. It's going to say, no work, need food, family needs help. Sometimes yours is the very first car at that red light. And there they are at your left. They're they're right there. You can almost roll down your window and reach out. And sometimes it's hard to know what to do, right? There's just feeling of awkwardness. At least I feel that. Our small group prepared um, just kind of love bags. Each of us put about 10 of those in our cars. and Being prepared helps because I don't know what's going to happen if I give money. I don't know, I don't know where that's going to really go. But, but I, know a love, I know a love bag will, will, will at least help a few more hours. Maybe put a gift certificate for a hamburger place and That'll, that'll get dinner. There have been times, and I hate to confess this, but I just will. I'll just tell you. 
uh, you know, if I'm coming and approaching that intersection and, and uh, I'm just praying, oh, don't turn red light. Don't turn red. I want to keep going. I'm keep going. Right? Right? I, to avoid the awkwardness. This may be your last Sunday at Windsor. I, you know, I don't I'm Sorry. I told you your pastor's a sinner. Huh? Beggars exist. The need exists. And I mean, they exist in the most affluent nation on earth, and they existed in Jesus' day. And the kind of place where our homeless stand is the kind of place where these ten stood here in our scripture reading. They're, they're far enough from your front door, but close enough to get your attention. And yet these ten stood in our passage of scripture, uh, not so much because of the national economy, but because of their personal health. They were lepers, Dr. Luke tells us. Now, that's a broad word. It could include what we know as Hansen's disease, but it could also be psoriasis or melanoma. But it was incurable back then. And no antibiotics, no penicillin, no, no blessings of modern medicine. Just quarantined them. Just set them apart. And it didn't matter if you were Hebrew or Samaritan or Gentile or Roman. If you had leprosy, you all went to the same colony. It was quite an equalizer. And it was the unfortunate but necessary step taken to prevent the spread of an, an incurable disease. And, and so if you contracted leprosy, it, I mean, it's a life sentence. You're going to be separated from your family. You're not going to have dinner with them anymore. You're not going to be able to work in society. You're not going to be able to hold your children. You're not going to be able to squeeze your grandchildren. That's not going to happen. You're going to be required to give verbal notification if you should even go near any public place. Unclean, unclean, unclean. That's your announcement. And that would give others the opportunity to flee from you. So this this outdoors isolation. They live far enough from infecting the village, but they live close enough to receive village charity. And here they are in Luke 17. They're at the intersection of desperation and hope. They stood Hoping for what? Hoping for help. And look who should show up. Jesus. 
Jesus, verse 11, on the way to Jerusalem, he, that is Jesus, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, that's really a puzzling verse, and here's why. Uh, Eight chapters earlier in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, the scripture says that when the days drew near for him to be taken up, that is, taken up on the cross, Luke 9, 51 says, he set his face toward Jerusalem. That's Luke 9, 51. Seven chapters later, eight chapters later, he's not really gone very far. I mean, he's still between this, you know, this, this kind of neutral zone between Galilee up to the north and Samaria to the south. And he's, he's too far, you know, in either direction for either group. I mean, he's kind of bouncing from sideline to sideline for seven or eight chapters. He's not really making any forward progress. He's kind of taking the scenic route, meandering along the state line between Samaria and Galilee. He's where, no, he's where nobody wants to be. He's too far north for the Samaritans. He's too far south for the Galileans. He's in a space for exiles. He's on the island of misfits. Verse 12 says, as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You've heard this prayer before, haven't you? Haven't you? You've prayed this prayer before. You start that new job. You've got aspirations. This is going to be great. I can do this. There's excitement. There's promise. And then you discover how difficult it really is. And you realize how heavy the workload is and how weak your shoulders are. And all you can do is cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. We hear that prayer every week in our staff prayer time from your prayer requests. Jesus, Master, have mercy. Have mercy on my marriage. Have mercy on my health. Have mercy on my anger. Have mercy on the homeless. Have mercy on my granddaughter. Have mercy on us. All of those have mercies were just last Tuesday. I don't think there's enough room on the concrete median for those of us with cardboard signs saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I don't think there is. A a, a crowded concrete median hoping that someone will respond and hoping that someone is Jesus, and that's when he shows up. That's exactly what happens. Jesus pulls up to the top of the exit ramp, and he sees their blotched skin, and he sees their tissue-thin rags, and he hears their raspy voices, Jesus and the lepers. And then the most interesting thing happens. I just, did you, did you notice what happened next? It's so easy to read quickly by it and just kind of not get 
the scenery of it. So I think we should recreate it here for a minute. Let's do this. Uh, I need you all to help me here. So let's pull up. This is going to be, I, let's practice this, all of us, on three. One, two, three. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Okay, let's do a little bit more desperate than that. Okay? All right? All right, here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Okay, that's great. Now, here's what I would like, now that we all kind of get the gist of this. This back section here, this back section here, yeah, you all, I'd like you to be lepers. Okay? Nothing personal. But, and uh, so use your imagination. You be lepers. I'll be Jesus. That will stretch your imagination. All right? So, but, so I, I'm going to say one, two, three, and I just want you to yell at the top of your lungs what we all yelled. Now, everyone else just observe quietly. Okay? All right. Here, are you ready? Let's just, we got to rehearse this. All right? Here we go. One, two, three. Okay, now I want you to be a little more desperate than that. Okay? You know, you just, you, 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 you sound like you just had some turkey and you're ready to go to sleep or something. So, here we go. Just, I mean, you're really desperate this time. Here we go. One, two, three. Okay, now here's what we're, okay, now you got the rehearsal. Now, now we're going to do the, now we're going to do the real thing, okay? So, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to, I'm going to point to you, but I'm going to look away because, I'm Jesus, okay? All right? All right? But when I point to you, let her rip, all right? Okay. <clears throat> Go to the priests. Yeah. Yeah. Bye bye. That's it. That's what happened. Did you get that? I think, whoa. What kind of a thing is that to say? Go? Right? Go? That's not what, that's not what they teach you in Pastoral Care 101. He's not supposed to say that. He's not supposed to say that. He's supposed to say something like, oh, you must feel hurt. Um, or, um, it must be hard to be a leper. Uh, or, uh, can I fix you supper? Um, I'll have someone deliver it. You know. I, no, that's not what goes on here. What, what's he saying? He said, go. Show yourselves to the priest. We come in need, we beg for mercy, and he gives us a command. We, we, want, we want pity to patch up our broken spirits. Instead, he gives us something to do. Go. Serve. Parent. It's the sleepy, exhausted mother who must nurse her newborn at 2 a.m. It's the tired adult daughter who must parent her 80-year-old mother, at 3 a.m. It's the surgeon at 4 a.m. who's still grieving her own family death when the hospital calls, there's been an auto accident, got to go. Go. 
Jesus says. At a distance. Go. Go. Go go to the priests. Go and fulfill the Old Testament law in Leviticus 13 and 14, where those with various skin diseases like leprosy must, must present themselves before the priests and have the priests examine them because they functioned as health officers back then, giving the final say as to whether you can rejoin society or not. That's what that's about. Go and show yourself to the priests. And, and, but why did Jesus send them away still diseased? He had not dealt with their disease, at least not the way he did in Luke 5, 13, when he healed another leper. Dr. Luke says that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. But not here. What's with that? I get it. It's a test. Isn't it? It's a test. Jesus treated them as if they had already been healed, and now he wants to know if they trust his word. He wants to know if, contrary to everything they see, he wants to know if they will live according to his version of reality, not theirs. They had no evidence to go on other than his word, but they acted on his word. And what does the Bible call this? Faith. Faith. Sometimes we get the idea that faith is how we feel when we leave church on Sunday. I feel full. Well, good. Good. No, really, good. We want you to be encouraged. And I'm not convinced that's all biblical faith is. Because biblical faith is doing the word of Christ. Biblical faith has feet. Biblical faith is nothing less than risking your life by doing the word of Christ. There it is. So then what is it that Jesus wants me to believe about myself that he says is already true? Go show yourselves to the priests. But I don't feel forgiven. Go. But I still feel guilty. Go. But I haven't forgiven myself. Go. Go. So will you or not? Will you obey him or not? And the lepers went because faith is obedience to the word of Christ. And and it's got to be more than just raw, heartless, duty-driven obedience, lest it become lifeless, dark, cloudy, routine doing of the rules. And that kind of spirit lurks around the holidays when we feel obligated to buy presents for people we don't like because they're going to get us something, so we need to spend a little on them. But then, you know, that gets... That little gets repeated, and then there's resentment. So don't call it a gift exchange. Call it a guilt exchange. (laughs) And it happens at Christmas. 
It even happened throughout the year. God's want to of faith becomes my have to of legalism. Is that what happened to the other nine? And as they went, they were cleansed. But nine of them kept marching to Jerusalem. (laughs) Got to get there. Got to get there. Let's go. Two more. Try harder. Nine of them. Nine of them. Nine. One didn't. One didn't. One stopped. Put his hands over his face and his body felt his skin tight, fresh, smooth, flesh colored. One of them. And he saw and he was healed. He was cleansed. And immediately he did a U-turn back to Jesus, yelling in glee, this time not at a distance, but up close, on his knees, face down, at the feet of Christ, praising God and thanking Jesus. Praising God, thanking Jesus, verses 15 and 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Praising and thanking, praising and thanking. And those two words Luke describes over and over again in his gospel to describe worship. Worship. I'm thinking of the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, who returned, having seen Jesus, glorifying and praising God. I'm thinking of the paralytic in Luke 5, who walked home, glorifying God. And then what about the widow's son in Luke 7, who was raised from the dead? Scripture says, when the dead man stood up to speak... The crowd glorified God. Well, I hope so. Put that all together. Praising God. Thanking Christ. Obeying completely. That's called worship. That's called worship. And that's what God wants. Jesus wants me to worship him by praising him completely and thanking him joyfully. Martin Luther once defined worship as the tenth leper turning back. Oh, and did you see verse 16? Now he was a, what? Samaritan. (laughs) The historic enemy of Israel. Once again, those of David's lineage just didn't get it. But this Samaritan, this marginalized man, like the Roman centurion, like the the Syrophoenician mother, the Samaritan gets it. But now he's kind of in a dilemma. Stay with me. Because he's cleansed. He's a Samaritan. He was following them back to Jerusalem. But wait a minute. He's not really welcome in Jerusalem. Why? Because he's Samaritan. And so he can't really go to Jerusalem. 
And yet, because of Christ, his ancestral place of worship, Mount Gerizim, that's really not for him either. Like the borderlands of Galilee and Samaria, he's a man without a country. He needs a priest, though. He needs a royal priest. But wait, the miracle came from God through Jesus. Jesus, I'm going back to Jesus. Jesus is the priest I need to see. Jesus is is my high priest, the priest who himself will go to Jerusalem on behalf of this Samaritan and the world to sacrifice himself for the sin of the world, to do for him and us what we cannot do for ourselves. Oh, I must go and give him thanks. I must give him thanks. And, and so he returns. But I'm not done yet. Listen to me. Don't, let's not make this a message about the courtesy of thanksgiving. No, we'll miss it. We'll miss it if we just do that. Please don't go to the coffee shop and review the pastor's sermon saying, what was the point? Well, the point was that he wants us to be more thankful. We're not thankful enough. So start thanking everybody. Well, okay, that would be, that's fine if you want to do that, but that's not what I want to say. That's not what this says. Well, what are you trying to say? I'm getting there. I'm trying to say is that while thanksgiving today is a courtesy, back then, here it is, back then, if you did something for me, you wouldn't expect me to say thank you back then. You would expect reciprocity. You would expect a return gift because it was a culture of honor and shame. And that created a game, a game where each tried to outdo the other in acts of generosity, huh? lobbing honor back and forth, back and forth. And the one who said thank you was essentially saying, I can't return the favor, you win. Now this makes much more sense, doesn't it? Instead of clinging to his cultural pride, the healed leper folded. Jesus, you win. I can't compete with this. He was announcing his absolute inability to repay his master for the gift of this healing. To to reimburse Jesus was pointless. Biblically, thanking God is more than extending Western courtesy. Biblically, thanking God is saying, God, you win. (laughs) You win. And and furthermore, I renounce the game. I'm not even going to play the game of seeking self-honor. I will humbly acknowledge, God, that you have given me more than I could ever repay. Oh, there's a lot that we can say to God individually and corporately. There's a lot we can say. We can say, praise you. We can say, we, we serve you. We can say, we exalt you. We can say, we honor you. We can say, we lift you. But we cannot say to God, you're welcome. <laughs> 
That just doesn't compute. So biblical gratitude is my worshipful response to the God who blesses me with what can never be repaid. There it is. So verses 17 and 18 really become clearer, don't they? When Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Is is he the only one who realized his utter inability to repay grace? The Samaritan? Really? And Jesus said to him, Rise. Go your way. Your faith has literally saved you. Saved you. Rise. Rise. Same word as rise from the dead. Rise. You see, this is about ten who were healed and one who was saved. Ten cleansed of leprosy, but one cleansed of sin. Ten had the faith to be physically healed, but one had the faith to be spiritually forgiven. And nine of them hurried back to their old life. Back to the centuries-old social and racial rift between Israel and Samaria. Back, back to you worship with your kind and we'll worship with our kind. And we'll call that freedom. Oh, they missed grace. How is that possible? One scholar said, Our biggest problem in church today is the vast majority of Sunday morning Christians who claim to have known the Master's cure and yet fail to realize that the whole of The Christian life is just one big thank you. The living expression of our gratitude to God for his goodness. And we we take him for granted. And what we take for granted, we will never take seriously. So biblical gratitude is my worshipful response to the God who blesses me with what cannot be repaid. Which is why Jesus wants us to worship him every day. By praising him thankfully. And obeying him completely. If God healed you, would you know it? And if you did, would you turn back? Would you return to worship him thankfully and obey him completely? Is your faith skin deep or does it go all the way down to the heart? Well, let's find out. Let's go before the throne of God. Let's praise him. Let's praise him like we can never Repay him.